Hey, this is LGBTQ&A. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and this is a show where we get to know different members of the LGBTQ community. Today, I'm talking to Laith Ashley. Laith is a model, a singer, an activist, and more. Stay tuned. going on, Jeff? I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to talk. So you've said that you never set out to be a model. What did no. you think you'd be doing at this point? I'd be a therapist. <laughs> a really? therapist, yeah. I mean, I've always wanted to be an entertainer since I was a little kid. Always wanted to dance and sing and, you know, be the center of attention, be on stage and have everyone applaud at my greatness now. But uh, uh, I never thought that it would actually happen. Um, like my dad would see me perform at home or like imitate um, Michael Jackson, for example, or any of my favorite artists when I was a young kid. And he was like, wow, she then was really, really good. And um, yeah, as I got older, um, you know, you had your parents put you in, you're on a certain path and it's, it was school and sports. And obviously dealing with gender identity was something that was part of my growing up. And I, I, I kind of put it, I, I wanted to push that to the back burner and I didn't think that I would ever be who I wanted to be because I wasn't my actualized self and I think I knew that very early on so I focused on sports um, even though sports as a when you're growing up and you're in school sports are pretty they're gendered if you're you know assigned female at birth you're playing girls basketball or whatever um, but I tried to that was the way that I was able to escape any anything like dating I didn't think about that um, until like my senior year in, in high school uh, the end of my senior year in high school. I didn't want to focus on that. Um, there was a lot of stigma and a lot of, uh, like, young people saying. It was, I think, I came out um, in 2006, 2007, and it's, it was, things were starting to change, but it still wasn't, like, as accepted as it is now. Um, and obviously, there's still, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but I didn't want to, um, I wasn't ready to come out. I didn't even know what it meant, and growing up, uh, with the Christian family, it was something that was, you know, bad. He didn't do that. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to play sports and do good in school and make my parents happy. Wait, that's really funny that you want it to be a therapist, which more or less helps people become comfortable with who they really yeah. are while trying to escape who you really yeah. are. I was definitely, I was trying to ignore it as much as possible. Um, but I, I knew, I knew what it, what I was. I knew who I was. Um, but part of me, because of my upbringing, was very hopeful that something would change. I was like, okay, if I am a good person and my mom says I should repent and God is going to change me and I'm going to be great and I'm going to be a good, holy person because that's what I, I was a people pleaser and I, I wanted to, not just a people pleaser, but especially with my parents. Um, to me, they gave me so much and I loved them so much and they sacrificed so much for like me and my brother. I couldn't, I just wanted to make them happy and make them proud. And um, because being part of the LGBT community was something that was viewed as shameful and unacceptable, I didn't want them to see me as that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that's been, it's been a couple of years. How has, have they become more accepting? Um, well, when I, when I came out, I came out, I said gay. I didn't come out as a lesbian because I never really identified with the term, even though from the outside looking in, that's what people would have said. Um, but I, I was more so outed by an aunt who, um, she was a hoe growing up. I love you, auntie. <laughs> but she was just like, okay, you're 17 years old. When I was in high school, I was bringing back all the boys. I'm like, where's your boyfriend? I'm like, oh, I don't do that. I'm playing basketball and going to school and studying. I'm focused on my studies. 
And um, she then questioned me about this person that I was going to see in Brooklyn when I, was, I live in New York. And um, who's this girl that you're always seeing in Brooklyn? Every day you're going to Brooklyn. I'm like, a friend. And she told my mom. She was like, did she lie? And I know that's your girlfriend. Oh, that's so <laughs> yeah. funny. So she told my mom, and my mom, she lost it. She cried. She didn't know what to do. But um, she just, at the end of the day, she just wants me to be happy, and she wants me to be protected. I think her, her religious views... Um, that's something that comforts her and um, it's not something that she pushes onto me too much it's more so she just wants me to be happy she wants me to be safe and she wants to see me again in the afterlife and that's what she thinks about oh wow um, yeah so when I when I told her when I came out as trans um, and I told her that I was going to begin my transition I did it about a year before I started my actual medical transition I told her look mom I'm trans and this is what's going to happen and she didn't believe me and then once I started hormones and the changes started happening she was just like oh shit <laughs> but um it was hard for her at first but it was all just an emotional thing she never said that she wanted to kick me out of the house or she disowned me or anything like that it was just a it was a safety thing it was a, a pride thing um she want she didn't want the family image to be tarnished and it was the same thing with my father but eventually um when she saw that trans people and lgbt people in general like i opened her up to that space and we can be normal we are normal. There's nothing. I mean, what is normal essentially? But we we can have, we can live happy lives. We can you know have a nine to five job that pays the bills and do whatever everyone else does. Yeah. So she came around. Yeah. Oh, that's great yeah. to hear. How soon in in your transition did you begin modeling, or soon after? Um, I started modeling before, like right before I started. My oh, really? Yeah. So I came out as trans, and then a friend of mine told me that they were casting, uh, they were looking for trans masculine models for Barney's campaign in New York, and um, I was like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's for me. But I ended up going to the casting, and they loved me, and I, I got the job. So oh, that was it. your first job. That's a yeah. massive yeah. job. Who, yeah. who shot it too? The Br photographer, uh, Bruce Weber. Yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> legendary. Yeah, he's amazing. I'm like trying to reach out to him like hey there's you should do an after like i look completely different well like the body does Not yeah so much the face that's an amazing but, intro yeah. Uh, so yes and i asked about the timeline that because such a big part of the transition although not all of it but a big part is making physical changes right and as a model you're being critiqued on how yeah. you look so it was it was very difficult one I, i've always i'm very critical and especially of myself. So I never really thought of myself as attractive. I didn't think I was like super unattractive, but I didn't think that anyone would really care. But it was also because I didn't like what I looked like prior to transitioning. Um, once I started like getting more comfortable with the changes that were happening, I was like, okay, I can, I can probably, I can do this. And obviously, the, the critiques hurt, especially when you're just starting off because you don't, you don't know what to expect. Um, so initially, I wanted to withdraw immediately because I remember. Um, after the Barney, after the Barney's campaign, nothing really happened. It was still super super early. the uh, The campaign came out in like February two thousand fourteen, and I had just been on just started my like um, hormone replacement therapy uh, at the end of that January, and um, so it was nothing had really happened yet. It was still very slow, and um, I was just going to work at Callan Lord. It's an LGBT center in New York, and I had my regular job, and it was you know just day to day nothing. Um, later on in that year, after I had my like my top surgery. And I'll speak really frankly about it. It was like the most amazing thing ever because I felt like a weight had been lifted. Um, I can take my shirt off and I felt like, wow, this is me. I'm finally here. And, you know, I felt more comfortable. Like a than literal ever. and figurative yeah, weight. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, a, a photographer contacted me on Instagram and said, hey, I want to shoot you. Um, his name is Nelson Castillo. Um, and 
he shot me in, in this Calvin, Calvin Klein underwear. It was that this was actually my idea. He initially had me just on a bench and he was doing like portraits, and I had like this, this white little speedo like looking things in my bag. I'm like, these are very small, but I want to shoot in these. And he took the photos. He sent me. He like edited them that same that same night. Sent them to me, and me super excited. I posted them on my Instagram. And at the time, I had like 600 followers. Um, the next day, I'm on a gossip site, and like my followers like increased to like a thousand or something. And people, but it was very neg like a lot of the commentary was very negative. So I was just like, shit, I don't know what I'm gonna do right now because it was it, the things that were saying was very hurtful. It was essentially. Um, so, oh, the guys, you, you're not the only ones that have to be careful with these, like, trannies. It's, you women have to be careful, too, because look at this guy. He's going to fool you and blah, 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 and spreading all this stuff. And I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. And I wanted to say something so bad, and I did initially. I was just, like, trying to clap back in the comments. But me against, like, a thousand other people, it wasn't happening. So it was terrible. And I'm like, I wanted to delete my Instagram and just, fuck this. I'm not, this is not for me. And then Laverne Cox reposted one of the photos, and then I got all the positive folks that started coming around and um after that i was contacted by uh oxygen and nbc universal to shoot strut um where i met arise who you've interviewed before <laughs> i have and, and is also yeah. your yeah she's my girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> well i met her there and that's where that's, that's where amazing. that all happened yeah wow so do you in enjoy it uh modeling yes oh yeah i i I've, I've always liked being in front of the camera i think that um, it's fun. Obviously, while I'm in front of the camera, I'm in my own head. But now uh, that I've come into my own, I'll usually I'll ask the photographer, hey, put some music on. Let's have some fun with this. Because I hate just standing there and posing in silence. It's so boring. Put some music on. I'm going to like move around and do whatever. And sometimes it gets a bit flamboyant, but I don't care. So... <laughs> You choose the photos you like. Yeah. I, I imagine though that like a fun shoot does not always translate to good shots. Um, or does it? I think it does. Okay. Because it's just, it, it's more, you see more movement. I, and I think if, uh, it depends on the photographer and what they're looking to shoot. But with any photographer that I've worked with, worked with, worked with excuse me, so far, uh, whenever it's, it's, there's more energy, there's more fun, and you have music going on, and I'm hanging off things, like those shots end up looking really good. Oh, awesome. Because I try to control my movements, too, and hold, hold them so that they can get a, a clean shot and not just like some messy thing. Oh, wow. I guess I was thinking back yeah. to like uh, like making films. Sometimes like the worst shoot ever and you can cut it and edit it and you're like, hey, this is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> same thing with photos. Photoshop, I'm telling you, it's, it's a magical thing. That's the secret. Mm -hmm. Photoshop. Yes. You said that... It's not you, real. <laughs> it's not, nothing no. is real. Nope. You said that you did not think that you were attractive before you transitioned. Do you think I so now? I didn't think... I don't think I'm the most attractive person in the world. I think I have my flaws. Um, I have days where I'm just like, oh, I look fucking ugly. But it's just... I think that's just normal. We all have that. And um, it's it usually happens when you start comparing yourself to other people who you find attractive to, and you don't see yourself the way other people see you. So you have to also remind yourself of that. Um, but you have to learn, you just start loving yourself more and being more confident with who you are and what your, what your purpose is in this world. And your purpose is what you want, it, what you want yourself to be or who you want to be. So I, um, once I, 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 even now, it, there's, no, there's no set answer and nothing is black and white. There's such a, a, everything is a spectrum, nothing is binary. I always try to push that, like gender isn't binary, um, sexuality isn't binary, and the path to whatever you think it means to be successful isn't one, you know, one path and you have to be able to adapt to whatever changes happen in the world because everything is always changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that gives people a lot of freedom. Yeah, totally. And a lot of people think that it makes 
it makes things more difficult, which it can, or it, but it doesn't close you off. You're only you put yourself in your own box. I break break those walls down, girl. Like do do your thing. <laughs> I think too with every like men for generations and forever have questioned like what does it mean to be a man? Yeah. And what is manhood? And now that we know that gender is a spectrum, now yeah. we know that it's mutable. Mm -hmm. That complicates the answer, and I think that's a really amazing thing. Yeah, I think it's definitely amazing, and I think we are in a special place at being in the in the LGBTQ community to explore that and question that but i think a lot of like cisgender heterosexual men st are still in that box that you know masculinity means like oh macho and and you're suppressing femininity and i always say, say this like the world really hates um f femininity and women so any if it, whether it's uh, a cisgender woman a transgender woman especially or a effeminate man it's viewed as inferior and i've always and i've always wondered why and it's it's a uh, I think it's it's what men are taught. Men are taught, you know, you can't cry. You need to be the provider. You need to be this, this, and that. And I'm like, masculinity and femininity are not these two ideas that are diabol diabolically opposed. They they work together. And to be a man doesn't mean always masculine. And to be a woman doesn't mean always feminine. It can, you know, again, that's there's a spectrum. It doesn't matter. And um, there's so much freedom in that. And I think through my transition, I've discovered that because I remember um, before our transition. I was never super macho or masculine. I wasn't. I'd never wanted to be the person that was overcompensating for anything. Um, but then I was viewed as too masculine for a female. And then after I transitioned, I had some of my like male friends that would tell me, "Oh, you can't do or say that," or like that's kind of gay. And I'm like, "So, what's the problem?" <laughs> oh, and they're policing you, you in yeah, either way. Yeah, like don't police the way I I express myself. Don't police the way I dress. Like you shouldn't be policing anyone for anything. And it's it's really interesting to see that. And I. Like, I always tell them, I'm like, I'm so free. You need to come out that box, child, because <laughs> you need to chill. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nice to hear yeah. about the masculine and feminine sides. Yeah. I, am I reading into things? But I feel like Lath Ashley, like, are you honoring that side of you, keeping Ashley, Ashley? in your name? Well, I, honestly, I was. I wanted to keep Ashley as my name, uh, but I transitioned in the... In, in everyone's face so everyone was would always ask me when I was at I was working on, at an LGBT center where um, a lot of people were transitioning a lot of the patients would come in and they that knew me and would see me all the time and they would ask me so when hey when you're gonna change your name um like I don't need to change my name Ashley is a unisex name it was a boy's name first like well, what's wrong with you people but it was a, it was such a constant thing and I was I decided to to change it or to add Leith because uh one, I, I like the name and I like the meaning of it. It's an it's an Arab an Arabic name and it means the young lion and I thought it suited me. <laughs> and also, um, I was I did get I was sick of people asking me whether or not I was changing my name and it was something that people continued to question and they when I when I would say my name was Ashley and people knew that I was transgender, they kind of they would they would uh, it's almost like they denounced my manhood. Like, Oh, you're not really a man no matter what I looked like. So, okay, I'm just like, I'm going to change my name. I'll keep Ashley because, one, I like the name. It was It's the name that my, my parents gave me. And um, I actually like it for, for a guy. And I decided it's still part of me. It's part of who I am. So I kept it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, b before you transitioned, you were still the same person. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, nothing has really changed. I'm still, I think I, the only thing that's, the things that have changed, it's, it's more so my growth. I've grown as a person. Um, I'm able to view things in a totally different way that I, that than before and I think that's that's what we should be doing we should be growing whatever you thought yesterday it doesn't necessarily have to mean what uh, have to be what you think today everyone is 
for example, if you have a, an opinion on something, or if you're a straight person that has an opinion about, you know, gay people or trans people, and you said something awful yesterday, and today you're like, you know, I changed my mind. I think that was wrong what I said. You're allowed to. You're allowed to change your mind. We are always changing our experiences, kind of dictate where things go. Um, and I think that a lot of times when we have these kind of discussions. Um, it's very difficult to have like those roundtable discussions where, where, where you're trying to convince other people that who you are is okay. Um, and they're not going to believe anything different than what they experience. So once the only way that that will change is when you have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone that's different or if they are personally affected by something. Yeah. Kind of like McCain. <laughs> uh, he likes drama. No, but I, I think, well, as with, the, like, with healthcare, as soon as he... Like he he's has a, an illness and he can see he sees like oh shit, we need healthcare. So now he's gonna vote, he's gonna vote for it. You know I think that's that's something that he's personally experiencing and it changed the way that he his his own thought process in certain things. Yeah, yeah. I just think that people are debating the existence of trans people when you're like I I'm here and I'm existing. Yeah. This is this is the fact. Whereas. It, so that makes the conversation. You can't actually have a conversation about that. Yeah. You know, it's whereas so, it's, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's like a debating an existence thing. It's more so a debating whether we deserve space or what, how much space we deserve to take up. And people, I think, historically speaking, trans people have been pushed to the side where trans men, people didn't know we existed at all. And then trans women, they were just the gutter. And um, it's very sad and it's, it's very, it's obvious that people, that this is, it hasn't changed much because it's still hard for trans women, especially for trans women of color, to get to get jobs, even if they're quali super qualified for that for it. So they're forced into things like sex work, and um, then they're stigmatized, and then they're they're everyone thinks, oh, all trans women are this is who they are and this is what they do, and they don't realize that this is so it's a survival thing because they are not allowed anywhere else. So this is something that you also learn through experience and through talking to people, and it's something that does need to change because everyone deserves a chance to exist if like, we're born here we're born so we should we we deserve a chance to exist um at an equal level as everyone else and to pursue happiness and to w want to if whatever job you want to do like you, d you should be able to do that and it shouldn't matter whether you're black white cis trans it's whether you're qualified yeah and every time we think that we're making a baby step of, st of a stride yeah. we get knocked down Last mm -hmm. week, we're recording this the week after the yeah. trans ban, which is not actually a ban, yeah. was announced for the military. Yeah. It's just... Trump's an idiot. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say that. Like, whoever... Why, who voted for this man? <laughs> like, I don't understand. When, and it's, it's really funny because when he was running, I remember my brother and I were having a conversation about it, and I was just like, this motherfucker's going to win. Am I allowed to curse? Yeah. It was, okay, good. Because <laughs> I'm like, this motherfucker is going to win. He's going to win because people are fucking stupid. America's fucking stupid. And he did, and now he's doing all this crazy shit, and I don't, I don't get it. And um, but I think there's the world, we, there's a balance, and it's balancing itself out. And um, he said these things, and I feel like he said that to um, make sure that he had the vote of the, you know, the conservative right. Um, but he can't just change things like that. There's there are checks and balances that exist. So fortunately, they do exist because. There's so many. I know personally a trans man that that, that um, served in the military. His name is Shane Ortega, and um, he told me a lot of things. And he fought alongside 
you know, his brothers and sisters, and it, it wasn't there, nothing on the battlefield. It, you're all the same. You're just serving your country, and if that's what you choose to do, is I don't want to serve the country. I don't want to go to war. <laughs> that's something I don't want to do. So if you want to do it, go for it. Why are you stopping people that want to serve the country from serving? Yeah, you know, <laughs> we, we had Shane on last week to talk about the ban. It's yeah. crazy. I think that what scares me the most is that. Um, it's so explicit, right. the hatred towards mm-hmm. trans people. Whereas in the past, we've not taken care of trans people yeah. and we've not talked about that yeah. though. But for him to come out and attack these groups and they took the trans protections away from kids in schools, mm-hmm. it's so explicit, which is kind of the scary right. part for me. It's, uh, I think it, I think trans people are among the, like, the most marginalized groups of people in, in society. And I think it's very easy for someone who has all this power to just say, who gives a fuck about these people? take um they're not going to do anything there's there's not enough of them and that's why we need allies to speak on our behalf as well obviously we if you have a platform we have to use that platform use our voices um but we need people like our woke ally like our woke allies on the other side to also say something and defend us because it's not it can't just be us i agree yeah i want to go back to something you said which was that trans men are um, invisible more or less compared to trans women right because when we say transgender we think about laverne and janet and caitlin right and i could name 10 more men who are trans but they they stay under the radar why why do you think that is i think it's because it's it has to do with policing and the policing of bodies so with men men's bodies aren't policed trans cis usually you can if you're a masculine presenting person you can walk around and no one's going to bother you when you're a feminine presenting person you're at the, you know, the male gaze is something that's always there. So if you are visibly trans as a trans woman and you're a trans woman, you're going to, you're in danger because men, either they're attracted to you and can't, um, they can't, uh, they don't understand why they're attracted to, attracted to you. They don't want to. They're afraid that that would make them gay because you were assigned male, to, male at birth. Or they have all these, these ideas and it's all internal. It has nothing to do with the, indivi- the other individual at all. And um, until men, this is men are the problem, I think, and until cis men are able, cis straight men especially, are able to stop being so fucking fragile, <laughs> it's still, it's always going to be a problem because it's not that big of a deal. There should, there should be no shame in being attracted to a trans man or a trans woman because there is no shame. And it, it's always this, this obsession with, with genitalia. And I'm like, who gives a damn? Do you want to fuck or not? It's going to be great. Trust me. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're you are dating yeah. a trans woman. Yes. Do you, do people like ask prying questions? Like oh, absolutely. That? Really? Uh, well, first, a lot of people are under the misconception that gender and, and sexuality, you know, they're one and the same. Um, so they are confused, and they'll ask me like, "Shouldn't you be dating? Like, why are you dating a trans woman? Shouldn't you be dating a real woman?" Quote unquote. And I'm like, a trans woman is a real woman. Um, you are very confused. So they usually think that they that a trans man was a overly masculine lesbian that decided to transition and a trans woman was the most flaming gay man ever and decided to jump the fence and that's not the case um when i look at arise who's a trans woman i see a, a woman and that's who I, what i'm attracted to i'm attracted to women um i'm, I'm attracted to femininity i actually identify as, as more so queer than than i don't i would never say i'm like i'm straight because i'm part of this community and um i just i know too much <laughs> Um, but yeah, they'll ask questions about how, what our intimate life is like. So they'll ask, like, how do you have sex? Or, um, you know, it's just, it's way too much. I'm like, that's not your business. Like, who cares? We have sex like a man and a woman have sex. 
It's just and fascinating to me that I yeah. that for, these are questions that you wouldn't normally ask people, yeah. but people for some reason think that it's okay yeah. for, to ask a trans person that. It's because because we're not viewed as normal. We're viewed as something that's other. So they view us as a spec, like something that's a spectacle or like this thing that we can you can put on on stage and laugh at, point at, ask all these questions and pry, pry, pry when we're human beings. And it's not appropriate. Obviously, one-on-one, I'm open to talk about anything. Because it's an, we're in an intimate setting, you know, it's, it's fine. But if you're in a, in a group and you're trying, to, you're trying to bring understanding, it's a, lot more, it's a lot harder because a lot of people are just, they're not asking questions because they, they want to learn or they want to, you know, spread a positive message. They're asking these questions because they either want to have some sort of fuel so they can throw back at the community later on. And if they're genuinely curious and it's like that setting, I think, you know, write it down and Google it when you get yeah, home. Yeah, you can do that as well. But I, I mean, uh, there's always, there's, there's kind of, again, there's always a balance with everything. And I, I know that you can always Google information, but it's a little, I get that asking this, uh, someone that's, you know, the source is a little, it's, it's, you're, you think that you're going to get more, um, I'm like losing my train of thought here. <laughs> your, your, your answers are going to be more genuine. Um, and I always tell people, um, you can Google things and you're going to get, you know, the basic one-on-one information. Um, but if you ask, ask me a question and I answer it, I can give you some, a generalized answer and I can give you an answer from my experience, but you can't use the answer that's based on my experience to make a generalization about all trans people because we're all unique. Every individual is unique. Every person's tra- transition is unique what their wants and needs through their transition, whether they can or cannot medically transition. Like there's so many, there's so many factors that go into it. So um, it's not, the answer isn't always the same. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah. I think that's great to point out. Yeah. I also think that it's good to talk about trans people dating and having sex because we now more or less know that it's not appropriate to ask about someone's genitals. Yeah. And I think that we've kind of over-sexualized trans people. I think that yeah. we can enter a phase where we're under-sexualizing yeah. them and think that like they don't have sexual desires, right. you know? I mean, there, there's, I think a lot of people, what they call the chasers or people who are just super curious, um, they want that experience, but we're, we're not just, uh, we're not just people that you are going to have an experience with and, and, and toss away. And I think, especially with trans women, they, there's this culture of, um, you know, you'll have this experience or you'll make the, a lot of the guys, a lot of the stories that I've heard from several of my trans friends, um, trans female friends, is that they'll date around or they'll meet this guy and he was super, super nice and they make them believe that they're all for it and then they'll say, girl, you knew what this was. Uh, that's so disrespectful. It's like, if you're, if you have to make it known, like if this is not something that you're comfortable with for a long term, you can't do that. And um, it, it also makes a lot of the girls, trans girls uh, feel like they're not worthy of love and I think that's also um, something that's kind of running rampant in the community in general where LGBT people because we're so marginalized and we're viewed as we're viewed as this inferior other that we're not we're not deserving of love and um, it's it's almost like all relationships become like transactional and it's very it's sad and it shouldn't be that because you can have a a fun relationship. You can have a relationship where if you just want to have fun, that's fine. But if you want something deeper, something more meaningful, it, it can happen and it does exist. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and there is such a dangerous stigma around dating trans women. Yeah. It, do you experience that um, dating as a trans man, though? Uh, it's From my experience, it's a little different. And from having conversations with other, like my trans guy friends, um, I think I think that it's the, it's the whole... Uh, how society views men and women it's like 
kind of masculinity is viewed as superior. Men are viewed as, you know, the top of the totem pole type of thing. So for for trans men, dating is, I, I personally, from my personal experience, I can only speak for myself and also from conversations I've had, it's been a lot, it's a, it's a lot easier than it, than it is for trans women. I don't, I haven't experienced a lot of, um, I, I, I can't even imagine, I don't even want to go there. I'm like thinking about all the, th- all the stories that I've heard. I, I just meet someone, if they like me, they do. If they don't, they don't. But uh, I, I've only had a couple encounters where um, an ex has told me, um, like, look, I don't know if I can tell my parents about you or um, I'm not, I can't introduce you. Like, it usually comes to that, um, but it's, it happens early on. It's not like a eight-month relationship and then they say yeah this isn't it for me and you know I'm like yeah. I invested all this time it usually happens pretty early on and you can and it's something that I feel like happen can happen in any relationship whether you're with a trans or cis person um but it's it was never it never got nasty you know it was pretty it was I felt safe if that makes more sense it, I feel like for trans women they don't feel it's a there's always a chance that this individual that they're with who they trust They'll, they'll, something will happen, a friend finds out if they're keeping this a secret, and then they'll say, oh, she, she tricked me, or like it wasn't a mutual thing, or now, or something happens where there's a dis- disagreement, and now her life can be, is threatened. And I don't think that really happens to trans men on that scale. I'm not saying that doesn't happen at all, but in my experience with the conversations that I've had, I haven't really heard much of that. Yeah, there's just like a less chance, usually, of it becoming violent. Right. <laughs> Wow. I think an example of sexism that I see in in terms of modeling is for a female model, you assume that they're dumb and this is the only thing they can do. Oh, yeah. But as a male model, I'm like, oh, they do a thousand things. You know, they're a businessman. They're a singer as well. And you expect them to have intelligence. Yeah, I I don't know. I think. Really? I think that it's the expectation is that whether you're if you're a model, period, you're not the brightest thing. (laughs) You're like, you're just a pretty face and you're going to take some pictures. That's great. Do you um, see people that are surprised when they meet you? Uh, sometimes. And I just say, you didn't. You don't know me at all. You didn't Google me or anything. How funny. I started doing this later in life. I have a degree. I had to go to school and I, had a, I was a counselor for LGBT homeless youth. So, I, you know, I, I was a professional and I'm not saying that to be like I'm boasting about it, but I'm not like most models are not stupid people. And it's not necessarily because of schooling. It's because of the experiences that you go through um, in the business. Everyone knows, well, not everyone knows, but if you are in the business, you know it can get really dirty and you need to figure out how to navigate it um, and how to deal with people and how to, and learning, just learning simple like social skills. And a lot of people don't have that. Are, are you saying simple like conversation people skills or skills that apply directly to being on set? Um, a little bit of both. So conversation, like keeping a conversation with, with someone, um, being able to engage um, different, t- different people, different personality types, and then also being able to weed out the bad people that are just trying to use you. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Did you ever watch America's Next Top Model? I did. Okay, I, I've I've memories of Tyra talking about people and saying, you know, they're beautiful. They look like a model, but they do not know how to model. Right. They didn't know the verb. Yeah. What is that? What does that mean? mean? Like when you're in front of the camera, what are you doing? What are you thinking about? Um, I'm thinking about where the light is coming from. You're thinking about what you're what you look like and what the shy like what the shy is. Sometimes I I like I I like when there's a mirror behind the photographer so I can see what I'm doing but you kind of have to practice at home so you know what angle is good and what angle is not so I've seen people think that modeling is easy and I've seen people try and it's it's not as easy as it looks because a lot of people will start doing these 
really weird poses and it looks awful in front of the camera. So it's not really, it's a job like any other. You learn the skill and you, you know, you perfect it and you keep, if you left, that's what you like doing, you keep doing it. But um, it's definitely, you can have a look, but you need to, you need, if you, you need to work on the craft. Um, like anything else. If you're a musician, you need to work on your voice or the, the instrument that you play. So if you're a model, you need to, you have, a lot of models are in front of the mirror practicing their poses, seeing what angle works best, different lighting, working with things like that. So when you're holding your face, let's say in a pose, is are you, are you like physically like thinking like pull like my eyes back a bit and like holding your face something or are you thinking about something to like um, get that look it depends on what they're asking for so if oh. i'm if i'm doing like an editorial it's usually like more serious and sexy so you know you do the smoldering eye thing you kind of clench your jaw so it looks more masculine and you, you pull your brows forward so it looks you know it looks manly and, and macho because that's what they're looking for um if it's something fun and it's more commercial that's where you move a little more you're, you throw a smile out it's it's cute it's fun so it depends on the job that's fascinating yeah <laughs> do you, you're in amazing shape do you feel is there, <laughs> you're welcome is there pressure to maintain your physique absolutely because i want to eat cake all the time um but i've i've learned that I mean, it's, they're just cravings, so, um, and I also, do I want to give up my physique for a piece of cake? Not really. I like the way I look. Um, it makes me feel good. It's, it's, uh, it's more for, it's for me, but it's also because I know that if I'm called in for a job and I'm not prepared, I can't say, ooh, can you reschedule this shoot for next week because uh, I'm a little pudgy in the middle. <laughs> That's not going to happen, so you have to show up and you have to be ready. Gosh, I didn't know if there was more leeway for male bodies. Um... It depends on it depends on what you're shooting. So for me, I've never I'm not necessarily a, I would like to be a high fashion guy, but because of my height and um, my physical shape, I'm I'm a, I'm what you call a body boy. So a lot of my sh my my uh, photos are in underwear or in swimwear. So I'm exposed. Oh, because <laughs> because of that yeah, reason. Yeah. Wait, are you too tall or too, too short. short? You're too short. Yeah, for like normal, like usually fashion boys, they're getting skinnier and taller, so they're usually very thin, and like six two to six four. Oh, really? Yeah, that's I'm not like, a big. I'm very well. I'm five ten. <laughs> I, yeah. I ask because you're not a short person. Yeah, I'm not super short, but on for example, on a runway, with these, I'm I look tiny. At least in my head, I, I know I've seen video too. I'm like the guys are up here, and then I'm like down there. I'm like, God damn it! Oh man! Yeah. But it's okay. I mean, it, there's a there's room. For, I th always preach abundance, and it's something that I learned from Buck Angel too. It's like there's room for everyone and every look, and there's beauty in everyone. And I think that that's another thing that that needs to be pushed in in the modeling industry too, because the the stat they always go back to the status quo. They say like, oh, this we're we're changing and we're we're more inclusive and diverse. But it's like for a season, you put everyone that's different in a in a bag. You shake it up and you pick one. It's like today, all right. This time it's gonna be the trans person. This time it's gonna be the Asian person. Oh, we need a black person. Let's get that. And then everyone else is just the same. <laughs> right. Not so, to call it Barney's, but like they did like trans for that season. Exactly. Like, I wonder how never, often never done. again. Right. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Never again. So, and it was, it was almost, it was a show. They put the, they, they put the photos up, um, and like the video that, that Bruce did in, in the, the store on, on, in New York. And it was there for, I don't, I don't know, a few weeks. And then I went, I went back to see if it was still there one day and it was gone. Where'd I go? Yeah. yeah I'm like, where is it? God oh my God. It's gone. And, but every, it's mostly everything. It's, it can be gone in the blink of an eye. So you have to always keep working. Um, and always keep, keep pushing, keep yourself visible and available. Um, 
that's this industry. <laughs> it's it's a thinking of it as a purely visual industry. Yeah, you uh, are. Um, you are open about being trans, but you're not visibly trans. Yeah. Let's say, uh, is that is that okay to say? Is that yeah? Okay. That's, that's that makes perfect sense. Perfect. Actually. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, you're not visibly trans, but you're open about being trans. Right. So even though you don't present as trans, yeah. does it still affect your career that you know of? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think that it, it it probably affected my career in a positive way, just because it's a it's a hot topic these days. Um, but I think it's my responsibility to be visible, um, despite not being visibly trans because people don't know again people don't think when they people think trans they think of trans women or they think of a dude in a dress like it's very disrespectful but this is what people's minds go to um like i was on an, a, a flight to i was going to a pride event in seattle and uh a gentleman was sitting next to me and he he's like yeah yeah i'm going to go for a business trip like what are you doing and i'm sitting next to a reese um and she went to the bathroom and i disclosed right away i'm like i'm a trans guy i'm going to to a pride event and he was like, oh, okay. I'm like, what do you do? And I explained, I told him that I was a model. I do some, act, like, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I'm always, I always have trouble about calling myself an activist because I, I don't know. I think I, I advocate, but I don't know if I'm an advocate. But an advocate. I think that being as yeah. visible as you are yeah. uh, in the world as an out trans person, yeah. that that is activism. Activism in its, in its own Yeah, right. representation. Right. Yes. But um, I, I needed to, I knew that, I, I, I had a sense he probably never met a trans person before probably never encountered a trans man or heard of it so I disclosed and he was very open and whatever thoughts or ideas he had prior to I could have I probably made a difference so I always make sure I, I always make sure that I out myself if the if if I if how do I say this like I out myself if I feel safe to do so and if um, I think it's going to be beneficial for both parties yeah yeah I think that's activism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it starts on that one-to-one -one mm -hmm. level. Exactly. And it's also because trans men in general tend to be less visibly trans. So we have to out ourselves if we are comfortable doing so. I know a lot of trans men want to live stealth. And um, the reason that that even exists is because of fear, because of uh, fear of losing one's job or fear that someone's going to, you know, say something about you, think something about you, try to hurt you, be violent towards you. I have a, a friend I ha that's a barber um, in Florida and when I, I went to the barbershop, I had no idea. He, like, pulled me aside and, and outed himself to me. And he was like, please don't tell anyone, though, because I, they'll, you know, it's a, a barbershop is, like, a very masculine space. And they say all these very outlandish things in front of other men. And, they, you know, there's this culture of that, that all this really nasty stuff is okay. And um, so he hears it, and he's afraid to tell anyone because he's afraid of, him he's afraid of how they're going to view him or he's afraid that they're not going to view him as like a real man anymore and take away from his masculinity in some in some form so a lot of guys stay self for that reason yeah yeah i think that's why it's, i think it's so important to to quote unquote out yeah. yourself yeah as much as possible yeah i mean it for for me i would say just because i I'm, I'm i'm comfortable and i'm i'm confident and i'm i'm not i'm not afraid that anyone's gonna do anything to me i'm like if you do want to do something fine try it whatever <laughs> yeah no but i i'm it's more so because it's my i feel like because of the platform that i have i have that responsibility but i don't i don't judge or question other people for their choice to be stealth because 
I don't, I'm not walking their shoes and I understand that it might be necessary for their, in their life at that moment. Yeah. It's yeah. probably generally safer for you. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that also that's so incredible that this person probably said like, oh, I didn't know he was trans. Mm -hmm. And then the next time he meets a trans person, he's not going to have to think that because right. he's not, it's not going to always going to be like apparent. Right. It's not. Yeah. And that's it's good not, to it's hear. It's not necessarily, it's not apparent. Um, and you see that I'm able to, one, I'm not this deviant and I'm not this you know, crazy person out in the street running around fooling people. I'm just on an airplane going to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Do, you, do you know the term code switching? Code switching? Code switching. Code switching. No, I'm not. Um, I've mainly only heard it in terms of um, race. Okay. Uh, so like a person of color will act a little bit whiter or mm -hmm. speak a little bit um, uh, and, and just to not be... Um, to like make people feel more feel comfortable. More comfortable? Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. think, oh, yeah, I, I yeah. think about it a lot in terms of being queer mm -hmm. and trans. How like around our friends, we like all like queen it up. Yes, but absolutely. Around, you know, around like cis straight people, you have to like bring it back a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and in like in the boardroom, I'll like lower my voice, and I'm mm -hmm. so aware of it, mm -hmm. uh, and it drives me nuts. But yeah. it's, again, it's like a safety thing. Yeah, always. It's a safety thing, and it's a. Uh, um, you want to be taken seriously and it's unfortunate that if you queen out a little bit or you're a little cunty that you're viewed as you know not as intelligent or like oh you're being too gay or flamboyant whatever yeah it's like really silly but I'm like for, sometimes I want to skip around and be a fairy but if I'm if I'm when I'm at a if for example I'd, I had uh, an interview in Argentina a couple weeks ago and I they, I don't know if they, they're, they're not many trans people represented in, in, in that country, although they're very progressive and accepting, but um, that particular show was very, they were, all they wanted to know was about my private parts, and I was like, that's very intimate, we can move on from that, I'm not here to discuss it. Um, uh, but I felt like I had to be, I had to lower my voice, I had to be less flamboyant, I had to be very stern, and just cute, because when you, if you're a guy and you're cute, and especially in Latin America, they'll fall in love with you. Oh, and if funny. that was the thing, yeah. That's why I feel very mm -hmm. grateful to live in California. Yeah, I love it here. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like clock how I look and yeah. dress. I don't know if code switching is applies to non-racial experiences, but I'm like so aware of it. Yeah, in almost every day of my life. Yeah, I think, I it, I think it does because you just explained it. It does apply to. <laughs> it's not just race. I know. I I definitely did that in in college all the time. Is I, um, I went to school in Harlem, so uh, growing up. You know, you, you speak slang and you, with, you're with your friends and you, you speak a little differently. And then you go, you go to college and um, I think the percentage of uh, black and Latino people at my university, I went to Fairfield, was like 5%. It's very low. So in, in my classes, if I wanted to be viewed as someone that was intelligent and able to uphold the conversation, I know I had to change the way I spoke a little bit. And I think it's normal because you can't say hey yo what's good man like I, I think this this and that you know what i'm saying everyone's gonna look at you like you're crazy <laughs> so it makes sense that you may have to be more articulate and it, it's it's not necessarily giving up or taking away from your culture and who you are and how you grew up it's just speaking properly <laughs> yeah i think yeah. i'm i think i'm very tuned to it as well because i grew up in the south yeah and when you hear a southern accent you can just kind of think that they're not as smart yeah and it's very unfortunate i remember you spoke about america's next top model i remember there was an, an episode of one of, one of the models had a very deep accent and tyra told her that she needed to work on her accent because it was too it was too much there was too much of a twang there and i was like uh that makes her her though and, and she should be able to represent people who are from where she's from and it sucked that that had to that was a thing that needed to be changed yeah. for her to sound to seem 
to look more refined and more, you know, it's just, it's all these ideas and this, these societal pressures to be a certain way. Yeah, because yeah. the way we sound, it doesn't actually influence yeah. our intelligence either way. It doesn't. But it's funny you mentioned that. I remember when I went to London for the first time, um, I spoke at a university and just hearing my reaction to hearing the, everyone in that act, that their accent, it made them sound more intelligent. I said that to them. I'm like, have you ever been told that by an American that the way that you speak in your accent makes you sound more intelligent? Like, I, my assumption is that you're, you all have PhDs in something <laughs> because you sound so smart. And they were like, no. Well, I mean, of course you're going to say no because you all sound, you all, you hear the accent. So it's something that you're used to. But from an outsider coming to, you know, going to a different country and hearing uh, English spoken, hear the Queen's English spoken, <laughs> it sounds amazing. I'm like, wow, I want to speak like this. You sound smart. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. guess you probably are more tuned to the ear as well since you are a singer. Yeah, and there's that, and it's also the language. Um, uh, if you have a, an accent and you're from an, a different country, you're viewed as less intelligent. I know I've, I've encountered that a lot where, um, like, even people in my family who, uh, whose language, who, well, why am I stuttering? I'm so terrible at this. I'm sorry. No, but, no you're no. not. <laughs> no, but if their English was their second language um, and they have a very thick accent, they're viewed as less intelligent because uh, there's a language barrier and they're unable, unable to communicate in a certain way. And that, that's not necessarily so. Because only because they can't communicate uh, the way that you like in English doesn't mean that they can't communicate at all or that they don't have the knowledge. Um, so it's something that I think people need to hear because these assumptions need to be done, like gotten rid of. <laughs> I agree, I agree. So tell me, what is coming up for you? You released two, two songs, songs this yes. summer. Are yes. you gonna be doing more music? Um, absolutely, I just moved to LA a couple months ago. I moved in with Therese, with so we have our place together. And um, so I, I did, we, we had to I had to pause some of my, my projects, but as now that I'm you know, getting settled in, I'm gonna start that back up again. Uh, my, one of my best friends, his name is Kavion. Um, he is, uh, he's my engineer and he, has a music studio in New York, and I'm really excited to go back to New York and work on some work on some stuff I've been writing. Um, he's been writing as well, and he he wants to feature me on one of his own songs, and he's he's fantastic. They're great, great, great people. Um, I'm looking to shoot a music video for for Can't Wait. Um, I we uh, there's some other things I don't know if I'm, I'm not at liberty to say yet. So let me have to th like think back. Um, uh, it's mostly that it's music. I signed with Ford Models Los Angeles, so I'm I'm here and I'm modeling here. So I'm looking forward to Fashion Week coming in this in the fall and um, whatever work that's going to bring. Um, that's cool. I can think of that's pretty much. I it. think that's yeah. very exciting yeah. stuff. Uh, we really appreciate you coming in. And yeah. talking. Thank, <laughs> thank you so you much. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> if people want to find out more about you, should we send them to your Instagram, which yes. is very famous? Yes. Yeah, so my Instagram is that. That's what I use most. So late underscore Ashley um, on Instagram and Twitter. I just started tweeting a little more, and I want to interact with with all my followers. Um, so yeah, shoot me a freaking message. Let me know what you want to. Lathe is consistently <laughs> ranked one of the sexiest people on Instagram, so ah. you guys can judge for yourselves on yeah. that. <laughs> Go ch check out all my thought photos, and <laughs> yes. if you'd like, also um, my music is available on Spotify and iTunes. You can find it under Lathe Ashley. Um, I have two singles. The first is "Can't Wait," and the second is "Before You Go." Cool. Thank you yes, again. Yes, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you want to recommend any future guests, uh, you can tweet at me. That's the easiest way. Tweet from Jeff Masters one. As well, if you want to leave us five stars and a comment on iTunes, leaving a comment is really helpful and helps people find us. So we'll say thank you for doing that already. All right. We'll see you next right. week. Goodbye.
Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.